Welcome to Tamar Talks, where music is constant and discovery is endless. Now your host is ready to tell it all. Ashley Tamar! Hey you guys, how you doing? It is April 29th. Um, seriously, you guys, this is considered the ending of the first quarter in the music business. So just the fact that we're already in like literally going into May. Oh gosh, happy early Mother's Day. All the women out there. Whoo, child, I have been virtual teaching my nephew and I had to tweet like, wow, like this is no joke. So special shout out to all ladies who are just covering a village, village of children, however you want to put it. Hats off to all of us. Um, I have some fun things on this podcast that I'm pretty excited about. But first, we definitely want to bring a great dear mentor of mine who is how I got really introduced to opera firsthand. His name is David Lee Brewer. He is from like Iowa or Idaho or something like that. And I'm like, how in the world did you get down to Texas? But anyways, he his success stories are in leading roles in the opera stage plays. I mean, he's in the German opera. I mean, he speaks in so many languages. He's a major songwriter. He has a lot of artists under his belt from, of course, Beyonce, Latoya, Destiny's Child, In Vogue's Don Robinson. Um, and he, he just, he's just, I mean, some of these artists, I can't even name because they are foreign artists, but they are just esteemed in their own countries. And some people in the States know about them too, but I am so excited to bring you guys this podcast. It was very emotional for me, as you will hear, because some of these things, this is my first time hearing since I was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, when I was in the group. But healing comes from just knowing the truth and, you know, restoration and forgiveness is where I just currently and always reside. So I ain't got no hard feelings. Ooh, y'all heard that vibrato. Anyways, it's your girl, Ashley Tamar. Thank you for joining Tamar Talks podcast. It is Thursday, April 29th. Please enjoy this podcast by Mr. David Brewer. This is the Tamar podcast. Thank you for joining Tamar Talks. Thank you. Thank you. It's so wonderful to talk to you. I know. It's crazy. The last time I saw you was in Turkey, and that was, what, 15 years ago? No, that was two, 2000, I think, 11 or 12. Well, yeah, so that's been at least nine, ten years ago. That makes me Nine, ten years, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk often on, on social media, but uh, other than that, I haven't actually, like, laid eyes on you. But you still look the same. <laughs> uh, David, it's so good to talk to you. I still look the same. Still a little baby face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, your, so that your listeners will know exactly what you meant by your introduction, I'm your very first voice teacher. <laughs> David, when did you, okay, so where are you living right now? I live in Berlin, Germany. Okay, so tell, like, let's, I, I'm one of those people I like to dive right into the conversation, and then as we talk, as we continue to talk, we'll talk about your history and all that stuff. But a lot of artists would not be doing that right now in today's economy. What made you move to Berlin? Well, I moved to Berlin uh, 21 years ago, uh, and if, I'm sure you remember, your audience won't uh, know this, but you know this, I'm a professional opera singer. So because I'm a classical singer, um, the world is my oasis, so to speak. So I was singing a lot uh, in Europe, uh, mainly in France. And I would sing in, like, Paris and then have to go back to New York. And then two weeks later, I would have to return <laughs> to France or go to Italy, to Milano or someplace like And I thought, you know, this is... Uh, all this getting on and off these planes is, is, is about to get old. So I decided that I should probably live within the European Union. And uh, so I decided to try Berlin, since that was Berlin and Frankfurt were, were the two cities that I think most Americans know about, and Munich. Uh, Munich, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't find very interesting because, to me, Munich feels like Texas. 
big cars, big plates of food, <laughs> lots of money, and wanting to separate from the union. <laughs> wow, that is very similar to Texas. That is hilarious. That is very similar to Texas. So I wasn't interested in going to Munich. Then I tried looking into Frankfurt, and Frankfurt was just like the business capital of Germany, and it's a lot of tall, gray buildings, and ugh. You know, so then I came to Berlin, and Berlin was like, it's really an international melting pot of people from all over. You you hear, just walking down the streets, you can hear 10 different languages. Sitting at a restaurant, there are people from everywhere. And uh, the music scene is incredible here uh, in, in Berlin, and of which I have been a major, major uh, uh, part of and influence. And so... I'm blessed in that way, but that's basically why, you know, I decided to do it. Um, but, you know, kind of, it, it kind of happened the same way that um, it happened when I came to Houston. As you know, before I moved to Houston, before you became my student, I was uh, working on my master's degree in Cleveland at the Cleveland Institute of Music at Case Western Reserve University and studying opera performance and getting my master's in opera performance. And a little small voice uh, spoke to me, and I know you're very um, spiritual, and so you can appreciate that. So when that little small voice told me, you're moving to Houston, I did it without question. And I would say after I'm moving to Houston, maybe two or three months later, my phone rang. And the very pers- first person to call me was Carolyn Davis, your mama. Oh, and you're making that- me smile. <laughs> yeah, and that's how it all got started. And then Beyonce came, and then uh, Ann uh, Tillman, who was the original uh, Girls' Time manager, asked me to come on board and to help her with the development of this group. And I told her that I would be happy to do it, but only if I was in control. And so she said, absolutely. Um, And I told her that I wanted to keep you and Beyonce, and I wanted Kelly, Kelly Rowland. And they didn't want Kelly Rowland because her mother was not dependable. And uh, she was new to the little dance group that y'all were in. Remember, uh, I think you, yeah, Darlette. That was her name. And, um, yeah, anyway, I kept pushing and kept pushing and kept pushing. Finally, I got to hear Kelly Rowland, and she was exactly what I was looking for. And then I had my three. And that's the beginning of Destiny's Child. So you were the, you were the catalyst that, that started that all. So it's, it's, I just remember you that's being... a blast from the past. <laughs> Yeah, I remember just being um, coming to your apartment off of Westheimer. Every time I pass yep. them, of course, they're new. I'm like, oh, my God, I used to do voice lessons over here. And I remember just not – I wasn't a fan of voice lessons. I just I just did not <laughs> like voice lessons. And then I remember working with you, and I just remember my voice was growing and growing and growing. And then all I remember is I looked up, and next thing I know, you were at Beyonce's new house. And I don't think I right. like, figured it out, like – I didn't know how you got there or whatever. I just remember you were oh, at the house. Oh, well, do you really like, want to oh. hear the story? I would <laughs> love really to hear, hear the story. Oh, my God, I would love, because this will be my first time, and everyone else, I'm sure, is going to eat up this story. And it's not like a hearsay, she say. Like, I wanted to have you on here for my 31 Days campaign, and I was like, I want to talk to people who rarely get to... I rarely get to talk to, and I know that there's some missing loopholes even in my story that I would really want to know. And so that's right. when you came up. So this is not a telltale all. I really want to know, like, how did you get there? <laughs> Seriously. Well, um, you, I, I'm just going to, you know, you know me, and I've all, I'm a straight shooter. Even when you st- were studying with me at nine years old, I, I don't believe in treating children like children. You, you, you know, I required work. <laughs> and um, so I'm going to shoot straight. Um, I got to Beyonce's house because Beyonce's mama manipulated me, period. That's it. Um, wow. She wanted me to um, 
basically it was to serve her because, uh, you know, she ran her salon and it was difficult getting Beyonce to her lessons because she couldn't leave clients and if client was late or uh, it would just throw everything off. And so it became a problem for her to get Beyonce to the lesson. And, of course, uh, that was something that she didn't want. And the the fact of the matter is she couldn't depend on Matthew, her husband, because uh, there were many times that I had to take Beyonce home because Matthew just wouldn't show up to pick her up. Um, he was late always uh, getting her to the lessons. And so when her mother asked me, I said no. And uh, then I saw uh, the movie um, Farinelli uh, about the uh, Castrati, uh, which was the first uh, male soprano, this very famous male soprano, uh, who had been, uh, through the use of castration, or, or the art of castration, it's not really an art, it, but anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> he was able to preserve his soprano voice, and he had a teacher by the name of Popori, uh, Poporelli, I think. And uh, this man moved in, he moved him into the house because uh, Farinelli's uh, father died. And uh, so he became kind of like the mentor of, of this kid. And so I thought, oh, Maybe I could have more influence if I actually move into the house. So I went over to the apartment and took a look at it and fell in love with it. It was nice and airy, and uh, it was in an, uh, a very nice neighborhood. Um, it was around the corner from my church, St. James Episcopal on Southmore. And uh, so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And then I moved into the house, and I would say two months after I started, after I moved into the house, our mother started with manipulation and all kinds of things to get me to do what she wanted me to do, and calling me her little brother, and oh, and 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 it turned out to be that I'd stayed in that house maybe about seven years before I left. Uh, and then I moved to nurse. So that's how I, I actually got to that house. It was through manipulation and through self-serving. That so is sure so crazy. Shocked. I just I'm sure that shocked everybody listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just remember just being in because I loved the house. Like to me, it was a big house. You know, as a little girl, like I was like, wow, this house yeah. is big. And I remember it being an apartment, like, connected to the house. And I remember thinking it was so cool because it had, like, a little upstairs. And mm-hmm. I remember we would come over there. That was, like, our little playpen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I y'all just, just all tore that. my house up. <laughs> I remember we did. It was always bad. Like, we were always – I remember Salon would tear it up. Shane, my brother Sean at the time, like, they were both little yes, bitty, bitty yes, kids. Yes. Oh, my <laughs> and they God. Would just, like, oh, my God. mess up your apartment. And it was already small, but it was so – cute had a kitchen had a balcony like i just remember all of that so um, yeah it was it was really nice it was you know sean uh you know i wrote the book you know i wrote a book i do know and you know who told me about the book latoya lucky's mom that's how i knew about latoya pam Pam told me, and I was like, wait, who wrote this book? And then she sent me screenshots of the book. She sent me 10 or 12 pages of what you wrote, and I was crying on the first page. I was like, I cannot read this. Like, I was in tears reading what oh you wrote my in God. the book. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh, I, 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 I hope that you liked it. I really do. I did, um, but I, it was just it, so much because that's, that's a childhood memory. That, it's not that I want to forget because they didn't do the girls never did anything to me. I just remember how my parents were feeling, and kids can always feel, you know, anything that's happening in their household, regardless right. if it's with them or with their their parents or amongst their parents or something at work. Or you can feel that energy, and I just remember feeling that for two and a half years, just straight. And then, so when I started to read your chapters, I just started crying because I was like, "This is what happened," you know, like it was like a opening thing of like a portal of like okay I don't want to know right now and I would just I just I just didn't read anymore 
<laughs> oh my God! Yeah, it was. I mean, and again, Beyonce's mama is the reason that was a big mess. Oh, everybody well, thinks in the world that Matthew is the devil. Matthew's not the devil. Matthew is simply what you call a butthole. He's an yeah, artist. He's a butthole. But the I just devil. I remember being. Huh. The devil is the mama. The devil is Beyonce's mama. Wow. And it I took just me years to understand that. Years to understand it. So when, when you left, like, what? so tell me about, because I, I still don't even know, because I left before you left, right? Yeah, you were still there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's, there's a chapter in the book. There's a chapter in the book. Um, and uh, if, let me get to it. I'm just, I have the book right here. Um, okay, hold on. Uh, and I, I just read just a portion of it for your fans. Um, it's, wait a minute, where is it? Um, that you were, at the time, you had just turned 13, I think. And group complete, uh, wait a minute, okay, 237. 237. I'm just going to look for the for the for the part that um uh, get to the end. The meeting became heated with arguments. Uh, Ashley was to be minimized. Uh okay. Yeah, there was a huge fight and your mother your mother was fierce. Your mother <laughs> Your mother was fiercely protective of you, um, as mothers should be. Uh, But uh, Celestine, uh, I don't call her Tina. Everybody else calls her Tina. She's not a friend of mine, so I call her Celestine. That's her her government name. So that's what I call her. Celestine. Yeah. (laughs) So it was, um, it was. Celestine came to my house back in that apartment and said to me, um, either you had to go or I would lose Beyonce forever. And I looked at her and I thought, what, what is she talking about? Uh, what? And then uh, I, I write and I tell how, how much pressure they were putting on me and how every time you would come to the lesson, um, that, you know, you would see the girls and you guys were all happy to see each other, but then every time you would leave, it would be sad because you weren't in rehearsals anymore. Uh, and it, it just, oh, my God, it, it was just terrible. And so in my mind, in my young, <sighs> impressionable mind, I thought I was doing the right thing by you. But it was not the right thing by you, and I spent years, years tormented by my choice. Um, and um, yeah, and then I saw you in uh, on the airplane uh, years later. I think it was two thousand eight. I think, and that's when um, I asked for your forgiveness, and you you gave it to me, and I just. I wept, and that story is in the book too. And my mother had to hold me, and it was it was a mess. It, that th- I think that's the only thing you remain the only thing that I've ever done in my life that I'm ashamed of. Kicking you out of that, oh, or getting, kicking you out of my studio. Yeah, it's the, I'm you're the, you you so remain emotional. Like I didn't yeah, know all true. that, you know. It's true. It's true. I, I'm just going to read just a little bit. Uh, uh, um, the next time Carolyn called, I did something that ate at my soul for years. I dropped Ashley from my studio. I told myself I did it to protect Ashley. I even tried reasoning with the noses, but in truth, I feared disobeying God. I felt that I understood why I had been put in Beyonce's house. I intended to follow orders, the clear message I had received through the aid of my still small voice. We were doing an incredible work. Perhaps it was better just to move on. 
I rationalized to fill the hole that Ashley's departure had created. Ultimately, it was my ego that forced my shameful decision. Too much had been invested, I thought. In hindsight, I realized that I could have walked away and taken Ashley, Kelly, Latavia, and her two cousins with me, but I didn't. I had been sucked in totally. Days later, Celestine could see that I was still upset about everything and that it was diverting my attention. Matthew had passed on the good news that I had dropped Ashley. Coming back to my apartment to tell me that I had made the right decision, she told me it was just as well. Now, I don't know if I want to read this part because this is what she said to me, and it's really nasty. So I don't know if I should Well, I want to hear. I want to hear because to me this is liberating, and when I do let the people know about the podcast, it's not going to come from an ill will moment. It's going to be a restoration for me because, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you have gone on and done great things. This is crazy. But, you know, there's this whole colorism issue. Uh, that we as black people uh, still wrestle with in our community. And uh, Beyonce's mother, everybody knows, is is really, really light, and Beyonce's father is really, really dark. Well, um, what they don't know is that Matthew's mother was worse than he was. She was a malignant narcissist and used to just beat him and all kinds of things. And she told him, don't bring no black-ass kids to my house. So he married Celestine, and Celestine had a color issue. So this is what she said. Coming back to my apartment to tell me that I had made the right decision, she told me that it was just as well. And this is a direct quote. Ashley is talented, but she is so big. She towers over the other girls, and she is too dark and ugly. There it was. I do kind of remember my mom saying I, something about I towered over people. And I remember um, telling um, one of my business partners today, I, we talk about colorism a lot. And that's just so interesting mm-hmm. that you bring that up. And I'm going to bring it up for the first time. It's real. And it's bullshit. I don't even cuss on my podcast, but it is real and it's bullshit. I was even telling my business partners how I can go in for an audition, but if they've already casted the lead role as a Caucasian girl, if I come in naturally just beautiful, they're not casting us anymore. They're going to get the girls who are either heavy set or the ones who have like short, short hair that look close to a man or something like that. But they're not uh-huh, going to get uh-huh. the women that are that came up in my generation. Like all my friends are just naturally just beautiful black girls. They don't have extensions. Mm-hmm. They don't have anything like that. I know even friends who kept going out for roles when their hair was bone straight. But once they took it natural, all of a sudden they were getting booked. And so it is a really, and it's, I'm so glad you sent this and I could cry. Like I'm probably going to do a video after this because I want this to go with the announcement of this. But colorism is mm-hmm. a real deal. Even when people are like, well, why did they get Michelle and not da da da? And I don't say much. I don't say much because I discerned what it was for me. So I knew well, what it yeah. meant for Michelle. You know, Beyonce was the only situation. light person allowed. Well, I knew that, but once again, even now, Matthew kind of brings it up. You know, um, you know, if Beyonce wasn't light skinned, she wouldn't be where she is, and it's just like almost like right. Freudian slips that he's giving away. But people, some people just don't care. And once again, this is not about Kelly. This isn't about me. This isn't about Beyonce. It's really about like I'm really trying to figure out. How did I meet you? When did I meet you? How did you get with the group? And then the fact that you were still there after I left. I just remember people don't understand. As a child, no one can explain to you. You don't know the business. You're just happy to be with other girls and summer parties right. and recording and traveling and get on your first plane. And, you know, that's what it was. But I remember when I left, I was so speechless. I was young and I was speechless. I went to school. Like you said, I did great things, but it wasn't until college to that womb come back again. And like, I was Mm -hmm. on the verge of just like, God, why did you even create me? You know what I mean? Like I didn't get it, you know? And what people understand is I'm going to be honest. We saw Miss Pam Luckett at the Galleria 
And she mm-hmm. said straight up, she said, she said she was commending me and my mom for our relationship. But people didn't know me and my mom still had a weird relationship because my mom never told me the truth. And then I wasn't asking for things. So every time she would call, I'd be like, what does she want now? And I didn't know I was just bitter. I didn't know I was bitter for years. Yeah. And one day she's telling us, she said she feels like Latoya walks up a mountain with grenades being thrown at her back. And I knew what she was saying. She was saying, because she, and I'm going to be honest, she said the same things you were saying. They were like, if you put Latoya on this show, you won't get Beyonce. That manipulative yep. thing to me, I don't care who you are. I don't wish you on my worst enemy. Because I feel like yeah. there's so much that's against us. So when we keep doing it to each other today, in today's economy, I am so, half of the stuff that I've gotten today, David, has been people that don't look like me. It's not been the people right. who've been for me. If it was up to that, I yeah. wouldn't be where I'm at. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, so we heard we heard each other. We heard each other. Yeah, and the colorism is a big deal. It is a it's big huge. Deal. It's huge, 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 huge. And you know, it oh my gosh, she did so many things. Just this this book is called Beyonce Raising Genius, uh, a teacher and his prodigy. And I go there. I go there. I leave no stone unturned. Um, your little brother, Sean, even made a cameo in the book. <laughs> because Sean was my favorite little boy at that time. He was just so precocious. And uh, he loved coming to your lessons and, and, and imitating you. And, oh, my God, it was just wonderful. But, you know, I want to publicly say, publicly say, Thank you to you for forgiving me for that ugliness that I was a part of. I, well, it, it, I don't even think it was a, a forgiveness. I didn't know. You know what I mean? If you wouldn't have said anything, I would not have known. So I have to thank you for even saying something. Because, you know, in our culture, we're known to take things to the grave. And I'm the opposite. I feel like I, I'm talking to a best friend now who's dealing with something. And I, I responded to her this morning. I was like, I am sick of the cycle. I'm like, it is 2021. We're talking about Black Lives Matter. People are getting CEO positions and we're still doing the same things to each other. That is a psychological warfare that has got to be broken. And so for you to even bring it up meant so much to me because I was looking at you like, huh? Okay, whatever. I I don't even remember basking in it. After I saw you, I was just like, oh, my God, I saw David. You know what I mean? But I've always been like that. My parents have raised us to that vengeance really is God. And the more I keep climbing up the hill, like, that's what's making people upset. It's not the fact that, like, I'm calling oh, them nasty. You know absolutely. what I mean? So yep. I have to thank you for even saying something to me. Well, I, I'm just so, I, I can't tell you, you know, forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And the only reason why I keep bringing it up and keep talking about your forgiving me is because maybe some of your listeners are, they have an, a grudge against somebody or something was done to them and they, you know, they, they feel unfairly treated. And all I can say to them is if you have something that you need to forgive somebody for, do it. It's for you. It is for you. It is so freeing. And, and look, you just are continuing to grow. And I remember sitting there watching you with my mom, who has known you <laughs> forever, uh, in Omaha, Nebraska, watching the Tyler Perry play. I think it was the marriage counselor. Yeah, you were playing the marriage counselor, I think. I, and you were opposite Tony. What's, what's Tony's last name? Tony Grant. Yeah, it was the marriage counselor. Tony Grant. Tony Grant. Yeah. And so that story is even in the book. How um, how I saw you again and on the plane and how we stood up and screamed and the stewardess told us to sit down and then after the plane we just hugged and hugged and hugged and it was so it was so wonderful that you know that you forgave me um, even if you didn't really know what you were forgiving me for you offered me that and so that is that was powerful forgiveness is powerful and. That, you know, God don't like ugly. I know we have that saying in our community, uh, but in the end, I had to leave, uh, walk away from Destiny's Child because the last thing that Beyonce's mother told me was if I did not teach only Beyonce, 
that I would lose Beyonce. She was always, they were always threatening to take Beyonce away. They did it to Anne. They did it to me several times. They were always threatening to take Beyonce away. And, and finally, I looked at her and I said, girl, <laughs> I am the gift giver here. Kiss my bye. Wow. And I walked out of the house. The next day, Beyonce calls me on the phone, prompted by her mother, in tears because she realized she was never going to see me again. And that was supposed to make me weak and come back. And I told her, I said, Beyonce, I've given you everything you need, everything you need. You just need to follow the rules, do what I told you to do, and don't abandon it. Wow. And I, well, I hung I have... up the phone. Well, I, I mean, I am so, listen, I'm so proud of, I, you know, Prince used to always say this to me. He was like, I've never seen women gravitate to another artist I've ever had. He said, I've, I've never seen a woman just, you know, be so, like, hospitable. And I was like, listen, mm-hmm. I have too much to be grateful for for me to be tripping about the next chick. Like, I just, you right. don't do what I do, right. and I don't do what you do. And I told him that straight up. And so when I saw them doing well, I was so happy for them of course when you're in college and you know because at the end of the day you you're growing up you're thinking you know not that you want to be famous but you want to be on stage and you want to have the lights and you have right. the wardrobe so i just want that but you know going to usc has paid off tremendously this year alone you know so it's uh-huh. like i'm so uh-huh. happy for them and i'm also enjoying my journey you know especially with my classical roots that you gave me and yeah. I, I just want to yeah, hear yeah. more about, like, where, where like, after you left, like, you know, because who goes to Berlin and is doing well? You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's a standing ovation in itself, right? So tell yeah, me, like, a yeah, little bit yeah. about that. I speak, I speak three languages. Uh, and uh, so I just, uh, you know, but I knew already at 16, there's a story in the book where I tell my psychiatrist, uh, child psychiatrist, uh, of my future plans, and I tell him I'm going to become an international opera singer and I'm going to live in Europe. And I have done literally everything that was in my plan. And so I clearly understand that I'm blessed, clearly. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm about to do something major. Major, 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 major. And so um, I'm not talking about it because, you know, you don't want to jinx it. But people should keep their eye and ear out. I'm probably going to announce after summer, probably in the fall, uh, Mm -hmm. what it is. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's going to be major. That's all I can say. It's going to be major. I'm so So glad. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really. Pardon? Are you still teaching voice lessons? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still teaching. Here in Germany, I have 15 platinum-selling artists. Well, 16 now. Mm-hmm. One, one got time. In Russia, in Russia, I have two. Uh, I have a, uh, a girl that started with me when she was 11. She's now 17. She won Songwriter of the Year in Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one pop star in China is mine. Uh, I have a girl in France uh, who's a big success. Uh, I have a country singer and an R&B singer in England. So, yeah, I'm still teaching, and not to mention the ho- a host of classical singers who are working opera singers today. So um, I have been busy doing what God wanted me to do. Yeah. God gave me this talent. Yeah. God gave yeah. me this talent for teaching. So I have stuck to it. I have done, I've served him. And that's why I could walk away from Destiny's Child with my head up because God sent me there and God removed me. Yeah. And I have, not, I have not suffered. The only reason why I wrote this book is because I wanted to redress balance. So many lies, so many fabricated stories, uh, have been told that I said no. At the end of the day, the truth has to exist. I didn't well, even publicize I, the book. I wrote the book and put it out, and that's it. And yeah. I walked away, and I went on with my life. Yeah. 
Well, I know and I it's will have to up get fence. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, people don't understand things are when things become freeing for you. I know I've written mine for quite some time, like, and I have been going back and forth when to put it out, blah blah blah. But um, this is giving me a gusto to do the same, and I, yeah, I am please, so proud of please. you. Your story yeah. is important. Your story is important. It is very important. Um, well, I don't have a gag order either. So No, you don't have a gag order. I and so. what I want your fans to know is that you were the first student, not Beyonce. You were the first yeah. student. Beyonce yeah. came to me because your mother gave her mother my telephone number. And yeah, then and her think, mother stabbed you in the back. It just says a lot because I want my audience to understand that that doesn't stop either. You know, I've helped some people to this day who stabbed me in the back right after I helped them get something. You know, it, and that's mm-hmm. just that. Once again, it's always been us. You know, I could always look at other people with a side eye. But when I work with fellow black women and men, I always look at it like from the beginning, like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of naive, but also very open. Like, hey, I'm, you know, treat you just like everybody else. But then when it keeps happening, after a while, you're like, there's something culturally going on in our community that is very deep-rooted. And we don't trust each other. Even the people that have helped you get somewhere, you still, you know, you don't even, you just do them wrong, you know. So I don't, I want people to understand it doesn't stop. It didn't stop at 13. You know, it happened at 18. You know, it happened at 21. Mm -hmm. Then it happened. It's going to happen for for the rest of your life because there are people who are influenced by greed, you know, and uh, there are literally people who will do whatever they feel they need to do uh, to get where they need to go. And I'm a firm believer in quality will carry you everywhere you need to go. Yeah. You don't well, need I'm to attack anybody. You don't need to say any bad thing about anybody. You just need to have quality. Present quality, and that will open the door for you. And it still remains true. You know, all these um, songs that are on the radio today that just make me just shake my head. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're fun, but the lyrics, and I'm like, my God, do we really have to go there? I mean, really? It is definitely a challenging environment, especially for songwriters. And the music business did it on purpose. They dumbed the music down because the more people thinking that they could be part of it, the more they partake of it. And uh, I I remember having. Yep. The more people that think that they can be a part of it, the more that buy it, the more that partake. And I remember talking to Jermaine Dupri's father, uh, Michael Malden, about this very thing. They dumbed music down on purpose. And yep. now everybody thinks that they can become a star. And so that's good for the music business. But then Corona came. Now the model has shifted again. And it's going to be very interesting to see how they deal with it when, when this is all over. Yeah, you just nailed a whole nother conversation that we could probably do a part two about. But, yeah, it's definitely (laughs) challenging. I mean, I've shifted my career, and I love what I'm doing now. I'm always going to be a performer. But you're right. Since COVID, there's been a lot of transition, even for the live entertainment world. So, you know, and it really, to me, I think it's going to go I know what I'm going to do after COVID's over. I don't know what the music industry is going to do, but I know what I'm going to be doing. Oh, me too. And so... And I think that's the only other sad part as we come to a close on this first part, because I feel like we need to have a whole other conversation eventually. But I feel like that's what the industry did as well. They built up so many people who in their world are famous and whatever. But I talked to students to this day and I said, do you want to have a career or do you want to be famous? Because people who send in all these videos of them singing and monologues, and I'm looking at this stuff like, so you want to do this as a hobby or as a career? Because as a career, it's a different game now. You know what I mean? It, it if really you want to be is. Famous, that's different. Be famous and get yeah. that first bout of fame. But right now, they have built so many people on camera and in front of the stage that when COVID hit, you're like, so what hard skills do you have? Do you know how to do yeah. a PowerPoint? Do you know how to do budgets? Do you know how to do this? Do you know? 
They don't even know how to do that. They don't even know how to well, do that. Well, you know what it's called, don't you? You know what that's called, don't you? No, I don't. What's, what's this business? It's called the music business. Yeah, and that's right. what people in our community don't get. Have. This yeah, is a business. Yeah. And everybody, you know, and I... I I am uh, as spiritual as you are. I mean, my grandmother was God's right-hand man. But I, the one thing that I hate about the church is the sentence, God-given talent. I hate that word. <laughs> God-given talent. Because it just means that you don't have to do anything. Yeah, and that you're is right. Not, yeah. I mean, come on. Really? Did Tiger Woods not have to do anything? And Did the LeBron James is, not have to do anything? Not have to do anything. And the other thing is, 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 is it's making a, a really uh, mark in the sand between those who have gotten the technicality of a, of a work and those who just, like, looked at YouTube and said, I can do that. And listen, that's once this is again, what they, a whole This is what I mean by dumbing it down. This is why yeah. they dumbed it down, because they yeah. needed revenue. And if yeah, everybody right. and their brother thinks that they can do what you have spent years training to do, okay, uh, yeah. they make money, but you end up getting screwed over in contract negotiations, um, uh, maybe sexually assaulted in somebody's yeah. office, because yeah. you, 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 nobody has taught you how to navigate in what I call the shark tank of the music business. No, you're it's right. It's a shark right. and, tank. Yeah, you're right. And it's it's definitely pulling it down. Um, but at the end of the day, the things that are getting really notable, accolades, sustainability, are still people who are making sound decisions. And once again, if you don't have us in there making some of those sound decisions or being trained to be in there, then you're going to mm. keep getting the have and the have not the wheat from the tares, the line in the sand, you're going to start to continue to see that divide more and more and more. Um, and so true. that's why that's you see true. a lot of people trying to go job after job after job because there's no sustainability because they don't have the foundation. Ooh, child, don't nope. get me started. Don't get me started. Yeah, and they don't know. Started. They don't have foundation, and they don't Even here in Germany, I mean, the casting shows, you know, these kids get on the casting shows and they win, uh, and they think they're going to be a big star. Well, they don't really understand the model. Next year, there's going to yeah. be another one. And the next year, there's going to be another one. And so, no, they're making money off of you. You're not going to be a star because nobody told you that you had to get up at 4.30 in the morning to do a radio interview and that you would have to sing at 6.30 in the morning when you've only had four, four hours of sleep. Yeah. And if you don't well, have any technique, you are going to sound like a caribou. Yeah. Well, we're not, I mean, the techniques, child, I mean, I'm teaching voice lessons right now to very few students, and it's very draining because I'm not saying people are not <laughs> who we were, but I'm really kind of saying it's not the same. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. And in social media, the immediacy of social media, everybody thinks that it can happen overnight. Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight. By the time I finished with Destiny's Child, training them and giving, putting everything on them, it was 11 years later. Yeah, yeah. I left no stone unturned. Unturned, yeah. And and sometimes that training doesn't really show up until years later. Like, for me, I'm just tapping into some of the things like, you know, uh, when I did A Night with Janis Joplin, I had to do Summertime in the original key, you know, in the, in, from Porgy and Bess, the opera version. Like, that was the first time I sang opera since I was a little girl. So I was just yeah. really just like, oh, that's what this feels like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. you know. And, and, and uh, who, everyday people don't have that, 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 that facility or that knowledge even. And that's why that's what I'm doing. Uh, I, I really want to make sure that my people understand that it's about quality at the end of the day. I don't care what anybody it really tells is. you. It's about quality. It is. Because, it is. yeah, you can go get a record deal, and, yeah, you can make a million dollars, but it's not about getting a record deal and making a million dollars. What you want is the respect of the industry because the respect of the industry is how you stay. Yeah. Yeah. And well, if you is. if you can't deliver and you got to cancel every 5 minutes and you know 
you didn't leave um, Martin Luther King uh, Street behind, something's not going to work right. Yeah. And you You're need right. you need guidance. You need guidance. Well, I cannot say thank you enough. I feel like there's more conversation to have because I definitely wanted to get into some vocal techniques. So maybe we can do a part two and this will be part hey, one. Hey, we could do a part ten. I mean, uh... <laughs> I would love to do I would love to do it. This This has been fun and... I'm really happy that, you know, that um, we had the chance to do this. Uh, and, you know, COVID is as much of a mess as this crap is. It has been almost, well, not almost, it has also been a blessing. Yeah. Because yeah, it has forced us to slow down and to rethink things and to try and be kind to one another. It's a work in progress. <laughs> But, yeah, but I, agree. I I do believe that we can get back there because you know what we did in 2020 as a people, putting those senators from Georgia. What we did as a people, all over the United. If that's not enough to wake us up and make us realize that when we work together, we can do anything. We literally can change America. We can. Yeah. Yeah. But we gotta no, stop. Right. We gotta stop tack, attacking each other. We have to stop it. We have to stop it. So, yeah. Anytime you want, just call me up. You know, you ain't even got to send me no questions or tell me what you're gonna talk about. I've done my work. I've done my yeah. work. So, whatever topic you want to talk about—psychological, spiritual, uh, brain, neurological—whatever you want to talk about, just start asking questions, and I can answer them. Oh, I will, I will, I will. When the sun comes out. Hey, but your mind is in a battle and your faith is in a saddle. Trying to get ahead to see the light that's trying to make way. Ooh, I just had to get on to that, uh, to that music right there. But anyways, you guys, thank you so much for listening to... Wow. Okay, it's just bringing back memories when we recorded this podcast. Anyways, it's your girl Ashley Tamar. It is Thursday, April 29th. You guys take it easy out there. Let's try to find some ounce of pushing through all the nonsense. You know, if you have to bite your tongue every now and then, but at other times, if you have to be stern and firm in speaking, then do so in love. That is my biggest motto. I know it's so much going on. It's a lot of sensitivity some less empathy it's just a lot going on and it's very tense but I'm really asking you guys even if you have not prayed ever just say God show us what to do and I feel like he will show us but anyways on my next podcast though you guys I am gonna give some snippets and some hints to some of my singles and I want you guys to vote on them what do you think about that yeah 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 Anyways, it's your girl, Ashley Tamar. Until next time, please enjoy life and be good. This is the Tamar Podcast. It's like making music
Trying to break you down Thinking that it'll raise them up I just wanna be happy Come take this bitter cup from me If I would've ever Write down my life story I could truly say With all the fame and glory I was just a piece of clay In need of the potter's hand Cause when you whispered in my ear The words I sung now understand Oh Before the fall of man, you said Every time I walk in faith You let me see another day Before the earth was made, you said I will lead the way in your Knowledge and understanding, understanding is good And when I wake up in the morning, all I hear in my hood Is people saying that they're Beautiful, beautiful Will you rescue me from the darkness And now I just must confess
Can you feel it in the air tonight? Can you feel it in the air tonight?